Hello and welcome to the Evity Lab podcast. My name is Sam and I'm here with my good friend AJ. Hey there. Together we review movies, TV shows, and streaming content. On today's fantastic episode, we have the pleasure of talking with my good friend, Mr. Jake Vienne. Hello, chaps. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Open the pod bay doors, Hal. What is it you want, Barry? You, you want the moon? I want the truth! I see dead people. No! Shoot your eye out, kid. This is Sparta! I am your father. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us all unite! A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. This is Sound of Metal. That nice uh, mic right there. That's like a like a professional podcasting or gaming microphone right there. Yeah, yep. I feel like the Snowball is just such a good, solid starter microphone for any sort of podcast. Do you know who would not appreciate the sound quality of your microphone? Who's that? Ruben. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> he's deaf. Yep. Yeah, you know? that's... yeah he, he is deaf. Yes. On that, something I noticed right off the bat: Why the hell wasn't this guy wearing earplugs? Like <laughs> anyone I know in music at all is always wearing earplugs, and and even after being warned by his doctor, he's the doctor's like, I, "You need to do what you can to preserve your hearing." The next scene is him smashing away on the drums without yeah. earplugs again. Well, we don't necessarily know that he was saying it could be partially genetic too, right? Yeah, but the doctor said specifically, you're rapidly losing your hearing and you need to do everything you can to preserve what you have left. Yeah, why, why would you take the risk? <laughs> yeah, he really wanted to play at that show and he, he thought he could get away with it, I guess. I, I'm sure he was panicking and not really sure what to do. So I'm not like faulting him too bad, except for the fact that he apparently never used earplugs before this. Because it seems like the music is clearly why he went deaf. He should transition from playing drums to just play marimba would have saved him a lot of pain in the ears <laughs> <laughs> the marimba metal band who's listening to that kind of music though even for a metal band like i thought the music was fucking terrible <laughs> that they were doing yeah you're too fucking mainstream metalheads really there's some people that are really into pig squealing and like really out there just screeching noises and they love it it actually reminded me of this band or i think it's technically the name of a solo artist called Lingua Ignata. She is some intense metal. It's like that where it's like not even melodic. It's just this like super intense, dramatic screaming and very like very harsh, scary lyrics, but not in like a way that's like horrific or like gruesome like some bands are. It's just like... Uh, sometimes, I mean, she sings too, but uh, it's an experience, man. I, I listened to one of her albums and... It, it was uh, it was good, but something that uh, I'd never listened to again. I'm a, a fan of metal. Sam, you kind of are, right? From what I remember. I mean, my metal is like 
I'm pretty reserved compared to this guy's level where it's more, you know. Sam's I, pretty vanilla. Like a, a day to remember is as metal as I'll go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, to be clear, not metal music. What about you, AJ? I don't really like metal much. I think the hardest thing I've ever listened to is Under Oath, and I appreciate a few of their songs. Sure. But uh, no, I, I'm not into the hard stuff, but I, I have a few friends that really love the wackiness and the genre. And just, it feels a lot like abstract art to me of the music world. Like people, some people could just really vibe and appreciate with it. I feel like I'm much more vanilla. Like my favorite band of all time is Blink-182. So <laughs> that's <laughs> more vanilla than a yeah. uh, day to remember, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely is. Do you sound check yet? No, not looking forward to it. Terrified. Half my shit is broken now. This movie was not what I expected it to be. I don't know if you guys felt that way at all, but I was really excited that we were going to have like a somewhat mainstream movie that revolved around a metal band and there's going to be a lot of metal music involved. I figured his hearing loss was going to be more progressive and we kind of see like a slow descent into you know, him falling apart. And I'm, I'm really happy with what we got, but uh, I, I think we still uh, are not ready for a mainstream metal movie yet. So, <laughs> No, I, I think you're right. I, I fully expected this to be mostly focused on the music. And I thought this was going to turn into him figuring out how to play in a metal band while deaf. And I was like, oh, that'll be really interesting. And it totally took a left turn out of that real quick. Like, Did you guys me- watch the trailers for it? I did not. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I guess if it, you watch it, like you would get a sense of, oh, it's going to focus more on his deafness. Because I did. No, we went in fresh, hey, like man. Going in fresh, man. <laughs> yeah, if going in fresh, it's a, it's fun going into a movie like that where you just like, you know the title. Kind of like, Sam, how we watched One Night in Miami the other week and you thought it was a movie about like drug lords and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the dummy in that one. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was more going to center around his deafness going into it because obviously I watched the trailers, but I thought it was going to be kind of 50-50 where it was focused more half on music, half on his deafness, not as much on his deafness. But goddamn, it was so compelling. Even all like the slowness of the some of the scenes of just trying to find inner peace going deaf. Uh, Riz Ahmed was so damn goodness for his acting and even yeah. the, you know everybody else the guy is joe um <clears throat> olivia cook as lou and even her dad yeah there's only really like three characters in this outside of ruben and joe i mean lou is the most prominent part and everyone else is kind of very secondary it's a, it's definitely a more focused on ruben yeah he he does such a good job of portraying like frustration and anxiety that scene where he gets the hearing implant finally put in, you just see him like struggling so hard with the fact that like he can hear, but it's just not what he expected at all. I can't imagine how gut churning that would be in his situation. I feel like he did such a good job of portraying that in his face. No matter how loud I made the test, I could have put it at 11. You were still going to miss 70 to 80% of the words that I said. What can we do about it? How do I get it back? Whether or not this is related to your exposure to noise or it's an autoimmune issue doesn't really matter. I understand I got a problem. I'm asking you what I can do about it. Well, what you can do about it first is to eliminate all exposure 
to loud noises. I would say even earlier when he was first experiencing it, after he went to the doctor and he's in the van after the morning telling Lou, you know, like, I'll be fine. I'll figure this out. It'll be fine. Then Lou just wakes up to him, like destroying everything because he's going basically insane. I was going to ask you guys, how, how do you think you would have done in this situation? Same, at least. I mean, it would be such a huge life change to lose any, you know, your sight or hearing. And I can't imagine how scary that would be. And it'd be hard to, to keep it cool. I was trying to decide, and I was talking with, with Sarah, we were debating on which we would rather lose our sight or our hearing. And yeah, I, I would not handle either loss well at all and i think his uh rage was quite appropriate that would be very frustrating especially how rapid it was i mean this was basically all in the course of like 24 hours for him like what a jarring experience it's a huge difference if you know you're like in your 50s and you lose your hearing over like a decade or something yeah that's something me and jess talked about is you know i think it would be easier if some of the young kids that we saw in the movie were born deaf or partially deaf and they had to adapt versus you go your whole life hearing well and then all of a sudden it's ripped away from you what a again a, a an event that would possibly drive you insane or over the edge <laughs> which is only more compelled uh by his heroin addiction in this yeah and i, I have more to say on that heroin thing you love it you, you want to do some yeah, no, I, I love heroin. It's good stuff. I think the first off the bat, I wanted to say that uh, I think what this film really does well is it highlights the values of both noise and silence. The audio balance feels heightened with simple scenes showing Ruben with other characters or if he's staring out a window, brushing his teeth and especially nature sounds. And I thought that was such an interesting and intentional choice. The flip side of that is when there is total silence from us being in his perspective and he's deaf, the lens and the, of the camera feels very honed and laser focused on its target without, you know, being all over the place. It's very intentional and present. Yeah, I loved how the camera would be isolated on Ruben when the audio was cut out and you're like totally put in his world with like a, a wide, like shallow focus kind of shot. But then a couple of times it would cut to like a super wide shot and then the sound would be back to normal and you'd be hearing everything around him, but he would be like super small in frame. That just did a really good job of making him feel insignificant just as, uh, you know, he was, I'm sure, feeling in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. And it was almost as if the camera itself told his story really well. It made me think of when multiple times in middle school or high school or maybe even college, I had to do these little experiments where we had to wear goggles that were smeared or earmuffs or gloves over our hands to try to mimic what it's like for an older person struggling to do certain things like that, where your senses are more dulled or taken away or quote, quote unquote handicapped in a certain extent. Where did you do that? There was at least one time in college I had to do it as like a understanding for ageism or something. I don't know. Stuff like that. You mean, you mean like ableism probably? Sure. Yeah. I don't that, know. I don't remember that part. Okay. That's okay. I was just wondering because we, we went to the same middle school and high school and I was like, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> it might so, have been in college. Yeah. I just remember um, drunk goggles. 
which are yeah, not. That's what I thought he was talking about at first. I'm like, hey, yeah, this reminds me, this movie reminds me of drunk goggles. Yeah, those poor drunk people. <laughs> um, no, it was like goggles that were taped off on the sides or like around you. So you had like a limited view and stuff like that. It, it made me think of too, from that experiment, like I actively have done this at points down in my life where I just kind of sit if I'm outside or something, I try to pick apart all the different sounds I hear, like different birds, different uh, winds or uh, even plants. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of layers of audio just <laughs> when you're not even paying attention to it or dialed in. Definitely. It's, it's, a, cool, it's a cool thing to be able to, to sit outside and enjoy that. You should understand that uh, this is a deaf community. Not just my program, but we're part of a larger deaf community. And my program and the people in it, they benefit tremendously from that deaf community. But it's very important, if you want to be here, to understand that we're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. Did you guys, at one point, when Ruben is trying to sell his RV to get money for the surgery for on his ears... Did you think when he was first going over there, I thought for sure he was going uh, grabbing heroin out of that secret compartment? I didn't catch that. I I never at any point thought he was going back to using. Yeah, I, did, I didn't either, but I wonder if that was the intention. I don't know if I just, I don't know, must have just totally glazed over that moment. I don't know. I guess I just thought the heroin might play a little bit bigger role in this, but I didn't mind that it didn't. I think him being an addict was a very specific writing choice. And I think this goes to the seminal scene in the movie where after Ruben gets the surgery, he goes to Joe and he's, you know, said, I got the surgery. And then he's like, you know, can I can I have some money to to go see my girlfriend? She's in Paris. Joe starts comparing him to a drug addict. Ruben, I don't understand the situation that you put yourself in. But if I'm wrong sitting. You look and sound like an addict. Oh, no, no. Yo, no. Not. Okay, my situation, it's cool. Okay? Seriously, my girlfriend's dad is rich. Give me the, give me the money. Okay? This is nothing. You can't imagine how nothing this is. Seriously. Heroin itself and just drugs in general, they're taken to get to a desired state of consciousness to escape from the present because of the perception that the present is unbearable. Ruben, despite establishing that pleasant, happy community life, he abandons it to chase this nostalgia of his previous life and and his ability to hear and the perception that he needs to make something of himself and that him sitting in that community, you know, being happy and, and in a tight-knit group wasn't enough for him. When he first gets his implants turned on, it just sounds terrible, and he's just shattered because he was sure this this is this is it. I'll get back to normal, and I can we can go back to our old life, and everything will be great. AJ, did you become a philosopher overnight? Jesus, <laughs> I, I I wrote wow. some notes. I, I didn't just riff that off the. Off I was the top, like so. the best improv I've ever heard. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. All right, Jake, go well, ahead. Yeah. Oh, Jake, God, I have to follow that. <laughs> I, um, I'm sorry. That was really <laughs> long-winded. <laughs> no, that was great. I, I, I mean, I think with the focus of the movie obviously being on him coming to terms with his hearing, you know, that's kind of what I initially took away from it. But upon the second rewatch, it's obviously much more about 
a guy coming to terms with being at peace with himself. You know, obviously he had his past life as an addict. And then when he got clean, he started seeing Lou right away. There's that scene where Joe asks him how long he's been clean for. He's been clean for four years. How long has he been with Lou? Also four years. So he kind of went from one addiction to the next. It took this whole journey for him to finally be at peace with who he was. And then, of course, at the very last scene of the movie, he's even at peace with with the deafness. I really liked that ending. I felt it was a bit unexpected for the way that I thought it was going to go or could have gone. Which was what? I thought uh, it could have gone more towards the self-destructive route, actually. I, I thought it took a pretty, I don't want to say a safe... Um, lighthearted approach? Any, but uh, Yeah, a lighthearted approach, which I think actually in, in some ways was, was brave from a filmmaking standpoint, because I think it would have been easier to make compelling in some way if it was about his destruction. But I think the lighthearted approach was, uh, I don't know, refreshing and definitely needed in in these times yeah i feel like the movie became very unintentionally relevant to you know this past year with quarantine and everything with how it deals with isolation in more ways than one that's a good point yeah Yeah. the whole quarantine aspect of it yeah that is a good comparison and and on top of that to be comfortable with silence and stillness you know everyone's lives have been slowed to a crawl right now and that's caused a lot of itchiness for a lot of people as you know Everybody here shares in the belief that being deaf is not a handicap, not something to fix. It's pretty important around here. All these kids, all of us, need to be reminded of it every day. Did you guys think he was going to fall in love with Diane, though, the sign language teacher? I did, <laughs> I did <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> they, they, she was, you know, looking at him and she was smiling at him. And I'm like, oh, there's going to be a romance here. I'm glad they didn't, though. That, that would have been quite the sidetrack. <laughs> Although maybe it leaves it open, you know, for the future, I think, because the way the movie ends, you know, as he's accepting his his life, you know, maybe he does go back and, you know, ask her out and maybe he does go back and live with that community again. I think that's how I interpret it, you know, or, or how I would hope it would happen, especially too. I was trying to figure out why Ruben and Lou ultimately ended up not being back together. I'm assuming they just fell like out of love, essentially, or Lou did more. I got I got an answer for you on this, man. Okay. I, I thought about <laughs> this. So he's back at, at Lou's place in Paris. He realizes while he's there that he's chasing his past and he's trying to recompensate himself from the trauma of his life suddenly being upended. And he realizes that they're on different paths and that the way they experience the world is now completely different because of how just they perceive things. It's not that his life is worse and hers is better. And I, I think this movie does a really good job of talking about the deaf community's views on, on deafness not being quite a you know limitation so much as just a different experience. The way they just go about their lives is going to be completely different. And that's it's just how it, it falls for them. That's why they can't really be together. They can't go back to their old life. And I don't think it's really falling out of love so much as just that differentiating experience. Or, oh, Ruben smelled bad. She couldn't take it and she called it quits. I think that's right, too. The loss of smell is called <laughs> anosmia, and it's too bad that she didn't have that. I mean, they were stuck in that van together for a long time. <laughs> it's something that she probably really had to deal with 24 7. I don't think I could ever live the road life 
of traveling around the country for an extended period of time. You don't, you don't have that fantasy of uh, living the van life for, for a summer or something? No? No, dude. I like coming home now. Maybe if I was younger and if I didn't have a kid. Well, especially if yeah, I didn't have a kid. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if I had my own driver, it'd be different. And it was like a really big, luxurious <laughs> bus. And I had all-you-can-eat stuff. Then I could do it. Sure. Just make Jess do all the driving. <laughs> I mean, that's what I make her do now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> make her do everything. <laughs> uh, let me say one last thing about the ending. Because you guys said it well already about the emotional impact and all of it. But I also thought when Lou and Ruben were in bed together, I thought for a second when Lou reached over to grab a drink of water, I get it was like probably her just it was awkward and she you know isn't really into him but at first i also thought wait is she like losing her voice a little bit like her crazy singing voice because we saw her before too singing the very gentle french song with her dad and her drinking that water for a a point maybe as like a little subliminal side plot i'm like oh man is her like ability to sing loud and aggressive metal gone just like his almost i think her voice was dry but to your point i do think that it was intentional that she was singing this lighthearted thing with her father as opposed to what we saw her earlier screaming. Yeah. No, I think that's very intentional. And I think countering my point earlier about how they different, you know, they have different experiences that I think it is clear that they've just grown apart too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, a good counterpoint. Yeah. I think Ruben was a outlet for her as much as, as she was for him. Yeah, because she definitely seemed to have gone on a rebellious streak from that uh, fancy French life that she had. She had looked like in the beginning, you know, she was a cutter because she had the marks on her arms and, you know, dealing with the suicide, I guess, of her mother, the the dad talked about a little bit. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is almost as bad as the scene where Ruben destroys the donut that Joe gives him. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That really broke your heart. Yeah. I don't know how to take abuse like that when it comes to donuts. (laughs) Why would you do I, that to a perfectly good donut, dude? I Just agree. It's rip very up the sad. Paper, if anything, it's by far the saddest scene in the movie. I mean, if I was going to rate it, it'd be ten out of ten right there, just for acting, destroying mm-hmm. the donut, <laughs> and because only a real monster could do that in, in <laughs> actual life. Do you think he gave him that donut to intentionally mess with him? Because <laughs> he had been living with him for some time, and I'm sure he realized that he's a pretty healthy guy. He gets up early. I'm sure he's seen him doing his workout routine. We saw him doing it at the beginning. He's probably eating all the healthy stuff at the table. He's like, you know what? I'm going to put a donut there just to tempt him, just to just see to what he does. <laughs> That's, that was honestly a little bit of a beautiful metaphor for like telling him to slow down and just enjoy the little things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he, he does and, take that little speck of the of the glazer donut when he after he smashes it up and he's kind of laughing about it. So he 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 almost he almost went for it. I guarantee no one has done this kind of analysis, guys, of the donut. We are, we are we are pioneers. We're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe for real though. The saddest <laughs> moment of the film by far is when Ruben tells Joe he's got that surgery. Mm-hmm. It's just like Joe is just devastated. To the deed. The deed. Surgery. How'd you get the money? 
Stole my RV. Another shit. Okay, look, Joe, I really don't want to explain myself right now. Okay? It's time, okay? It's time. I gotta do something. Right? Try and save my fucking life. So that's what I'm doing. Okay? No one else is gonna save my life. If I just sit here and diddle around, what am I gonna have? Nothing. And all this shit, like, what does it matter? What does it matter? It just passes. I wonder, uh, all these mornings you've been sitting in my study, have you had any moments of stillness? Because you're right, Reuben. The world does keep moving. It can be a damn cruel place. But for me, those moments of stillness, that place, that's the kingdom of God. And that place will never abandon you. Did you guys know that the actor that plays Joe, who I forget the name of. Oh, um, Racy? Racy? Yeah, he's the son of deaf parents. Oh, really? Is he Mm -hmm. actually deaf? No, he's not deaf, but his parents were both deaf. I I think his father was born deaf and his mother went deaf when she was like really young. Mm Wow. Wow. I read an interview with him about the movie and he talked a lot about deafness and deaf actors and everything. He did touch on how his father could have gotten one of those cochlear implants and just chose not to. And he was totally happy with the way his life was and didn't really care to ever, ever hear anything. I think he felt pretty strongly about the way that his character actually felt in the movie, which, which uh, I think you can definitely see through his emotion. Yeah, totally. There's got to be a lot of groups or a decent amount of groups around the country or the world like Joe's where, you know, there's programs to help people transition to that lifestyle because, I mean, I think without it, a lot of people would go insane like Ruben was initially. Oh, yeah. Well, especially because this this would be a very lonely and isolating experience because, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just not that many deaf people out there. And so and everyone around you is able to hear. I mean, that would just be terrible. So it's important to have that kind of community. Do either of you know this? Do, do you need like a special permit or does it change by state to drive as a deaf person? I was wondering that too. When yeah. when Ruben's driving, when they're on their way to the facility, I was like, should he be doing that? That's, that's exactly what I thought too. I'm like, that's, that's not safe. Like you need to hear. But apparently Sarah said that it's like deaf people do this all the time and it's not a big deal. But I, I'm sure it's not. I, I don't know if you need a special permit for it. Like it's definitely feasible. If someone knows, write in and let us know because we're yeah. dopes. So we don't know. Yep. I was curious if you guys wanted to talk about this a little more. Sam, you touched on it earlier. Would you rather go deaf or blind? Because I feel like it's a pretty hard decision the more I think about it. Did you say already? I don't remember. Uh, I, oh, I, I just said both would really suck. I think I'd definitely rather go deaf than blind. Uh, being blind would be supremely difficult. On the plus side, you could listen to music and audiobooks, but on the downside, pretty much everything else gets significantly harder. Yeah, I think just from a functionality standpoint, at this point in my life, I would need my sight more than my hearing, obviously, to take care of Natalie. Although then I thought if she wakes up in the middle of the night or, or when she was a young baby, I would need some type of like vibrating bed that would go off. So I know she's like crying to go and get her milk or something like that. Well, hopefully in that situation, you would not be alone like you'd have help 
Yeah, yeah that's but Jess would eventually she went back to work and she works nights so it'd just be me alone with the baby yeah i think you should get an implant where if you were deaf you would just shock you every time she cries <laughs> shock <laughs> collar. Yeah, yeah shock collar of sorts yeah you would like that wouldn't you AJ? <laughs> i would it'd be really funny <laughs> what would you prefer jake you know i i think i would choose the same i, I think i would rather be deaf but because yeah it would be really really hard to not have the visual world around you. But I will say that, especially after watching this movie, I feel like there is almost more isolation that comes from being deaf because communication is like almost all auditory. And I think mm-hmm. that would be really hard to difficult as, as the movie did a good job of, of portraying. But, but yeah, I think, I think going deaf just, uh, just edges out. But at least movies got subtitles. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> when Ruben's partial deafness occurs and you just hear like his inner, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, the inner sound of his ear canal and his head, it yeah. like drove me insane just hearing that because I couldn't even imagine sleeping that way. I have such a hard time right now where like I had to have the room very dark and like a fan going and has to be no other noise to sleep. I just can't imagine sleeping like that. I've had bouts of tinnitus here and there. So this movie actually gave me some anxiety about that. <laughs> but uh, it sounds like that in your head. Yeah. Um, I have like a, I don't even know what it is exactly, but it's like a TMJ sort of issue where my ears are always slightly plugged. Now I can hear it perfectly fine. Like I, I don't have any hearing loss, but they're always slightly plugged and I can pop them whenever I want. I had a time in college where I was using a lot of earbuds and stuff like that. And I did have tinnitus for like about a month or two um, constantly. It was really hard to sleep at night because I I always used to rest my head on the pillow with my ear against it, but that would make it so much louder. So I had to, that's when I got into the habit of using a fan and sometimes having the TV on when I slept and like I learned to sleep in a way where where my ears weren't like plugged at all. I remember in high school, one of our friends, I can't remember who did it, but they ran up to me and slapped the living bejesus out of one of my ears. And I couldn't hear out of it for like the next 10 to 15 minutes. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I think something got really messed up. (sighs) And then AJ, do you remember I wrestled Brody and like busted his one eardrum? Yeah, you like ruptured his eardrum. And shout (laughs) out to you, Brody. Shout out to Brody. I think he had surgery for it and got it fixed. Oh, that's good. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) No, we're good buddies. They go jerk. Sam, you animal. So I guess the overall message of this podcast review is don't wrestle and break your buddy's eardrum. Mm-hmm. That's a good med- That's a, a good lesson. Mr. Jake, can you go ahead and guess what you thought the budget for this movie would be? See, that's a tough one with this one because it could be really budget. Um, but I would say I bet you we're sitting around like 10 to 15 million somewhere in there okay yeah. that seems like a good guess to me i because it doesn't there isn't a lot of like special effects or anything uh, are you sure aj is that what you want to guess as well <laughs> I, i'm gonna go with the, with the under so that i can beat him out i'm gonna go, go with eight i'm gonna go with eight million but i think 10 to 15 is also a fine guess well i'll guess 20 to 25 million and be right <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It was what, so yeah, what was the it's number? Estimated at uh, twenty to twenty-five million. In terms of the overall box office, <laughs> it's not much because it's like a straight to streaming thing. So you guys can take a guess at it. Still, this was in twenty nineteen. This film, so 
I, but this must have just come to streaming because I yes. I've heard a lot of buzz about it very recently, and so I assumed it was very recent. But it was 2019, so I'm not really sure how much box office success it had. But it it's was low. <laughs> pre, it was pre-pandemic too, so I I don't know. I don't think it had like a real release in 2019, though, did it? It had to have been in a couple of theaters to get into certain circuits, probably. Limited release, maybe. Yeah, because it's a part of the award season this year. And yeah. Hmm. So take a guess. Go ahead, Jake. U.S. domestic box office. Oh, geez. I don't know. $100. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you think it had roughly eight, roughly eight viewers? Uh, I bet you, I don't know, like $8 million. <laughs> Eight million. Wow, quite the range between you two. <laughs> uh, it's eleven thousand six hundred ninety-five dollars. What? That that cannot be an accurate reflection. <laughs> I win, AJ. <laughs> that is, you are much closer than I am. Good lord, that must have literally been in like one theater. There's just <laughs> like that is such an obscenely low number for it. it it'll recoup a bunch on streaming though, so I, I'm they'll they'll get it back. Well, out of 10 cochlear implants, you guys, how many cochlear implants would you give this and would you recommend it to others to watch? Yeah, I definitely would. I'd probably give it a solid uh, nine cochlear implants. I think it was one of the best movies of the year, in my opinion. I wholeheartedly agree. And I also would peg it at about a nine. And uh, yeah, just really, really good stuff. I would not rate it up quite as high as you guys, I don't think. I would rate it Ooh. at a 7.8 cochlear implants. Wow. Okay. So why, what didn't you like about it? Or what what didn't wow you? I think... Sam wanted more metal. <laughs> <laughs> the metal needed to be more mainstream, like Blink-182. Yep. yep. Um, I, it's, it's a very good film, but I, they needed to swap out one part somewhere in the middle for even a little more emotional, like big impact moment. I, it lacked one other final emotional impact moment to me. I don't know what it is. You so, don't think the, his, his talk with Joe at the, at the end there was, was that emotional moment? That was great. I, I, I think it had to be an emotional moment that related more to sound to me. Mm. Um, although this, uh, the scene where the kid and him are on the slide and they're banging was really nice. And the little moments where we're just focusing on the sound is cool. I think I just needed one more moment relating dire- directly to sound that was bigger in some way. I don't know. Okay. It's hard to explain. That's, that's fine. You know, man, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, AJ, do you want to pose your question now? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jake, I like to ask this question of people now. Uh, is there any movie or streaming content that you've been into or that you really like in the past that you would like to recommend to the audience? I did watch um, Judas and the Black Messiah last weekend, which was fantastic. But I would also like to shout out one I just watched called The Kid Detective, which also came out last year, but I heard nothing about until I saw it recommended by Red Layer Media. It's about like a like a full-grown man who used to be like a famous kid detective in his small town, kind of like a Nancy Drew, Encyclopedia Brown kind of character. It's just a really good like dark comedy with a lot of dry humor, but also like the mystery itself is is um, really interesting and the final reveal is very impactful. I haven't heard much about it at all, but I really enjoyed it and highly recommend it. That sounds fun. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Mr. Jake. AJ, what will we be 
pleasuring our ears to on on the next episode. Uh, next week we will be watching No Man Land. Wait, I need to redo that. That sounded goofy. <laughs> <laughs> no Man's <laughs> Land. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of how it came out. <laughs> I I just realized that that's what the play on words there is in the movie. <laughs> um, and next week we will be watching Nomad Land. Wow, you said that's so great. Did I, it was that that sounded more normal, right? <laughs> <That was bad. laughs> like like an actual human. <laughs> As always, thank you everybody for listening to the Video Lab podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, be sure to email us at the Video Lab podcast at gmail.com. And you can find my review for this movie and other movies at my blog, asajthinks.com. Uh, and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. Until next time, see ya. Peace. Gone into the rain today. Wet fields of green. I know I don't stay long. You always find me. Say come on On the train today You call my name And you wave and scream But I can't hear anything I can't hear anything Chase me down the mountain through this city, but oh, my country home. I'm only seeing green. Say it's just a dream.
Gone to safety. 